0: And remember, quoting is for the weak. This is the Millionaire Insurance Producer Podcast. Well, hey there, Permission Nation. This is the Millionaire Insurance Producer Podcast. This is episode six. You know what we're going to get into today? We're going to get into this particular topic of micro niches. Here's the title of today's podcast episode. The riches are in the micro niches. The riches are in the micro niches. Say it with me. The riches are in the micro niches. I call it a micro niche for a reason. And uh, let's just kind of clear the air a little bit. Can't clear the air. I am an American citizen. I am not French. I think the word should probably be pronounced niche. Let me know. I think the word's supposed to be pronounced niche, right? Micro niche. But here's the problem. Niche doesn't rhyme with rich. And so that's the issue. It's micro niche. Because the riches are in the micro niches. I want you to just remember that. We're changing the vocabulary. The riches are in the micro niches. Today, this particular topic, if you can start focusing on this particular topic, it's going to change everything. Because there's a guy named Jack. There is an insurance producer out there. He's an old guy. His name is Jack. And um, I want you to understand that he is the Jack of all trades. And guess what happened to Jack? Jack died a couple of years ago. Why? Because the generalist, the age of the generalist is done. The age of the generalist has come and gone. The Jack of all trades has died. He is buried. Do not try and resuscitate him. That, that age is done. Right now, the, the insurance producer who is micro-niched is the one who wins the day. Period. And so the riches are in the micro niches. I want you to understand what I mean by a micro niche. Okay, so I want you to think about your book of business for a moment. I want you to think about the type of business that you go after. Now, most insurance producers in their careers, myself included, wrote a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of that other thing. And we create our book of business based upon the things that, that we're trying out, and we eventually find some, su- some success. But here's the problem. It really is amazing how many insurance principals you know, contact me or insurance producers who contact me, and they contact me about a problem. A problem is either the producers at the agency or the, uh, the producer who contacts me has a problem with their book of business, and it's that it is a generalist book of business based upon smaller accounts. And so, what they find themselves doing is that they may, maybe they have built a book of business to 150,000 or 200,000 or 300,000. But the problem is now that they have, you know, 120 accounts and they find themselves just servicing all the time and doing, you know, renewal business all the time. And they have hit the ceiling, they have hit a plateau in which they simply don't have time in which to prospect any longer. Now the problem with being a generalist is that you have to know all the markets at all times, and you can't do that, right? So you might, you know, here's kind of the generalist, you know, working on a restaurant, getting a chance to work on a restaurant, and then oh, also you got a furniture store over here, and then oh, lo and behold, you've got a you've got an electrical contractor who's doing tract development, and then maybe over here you've got a you know maybe a, a small Amazon truck driving company that does you know the the, the, the deliveries all around town. And then you might also have, you know, a dairy farm over here. And look, I'm just telling you, you can't know all that kind of stuff. That is an e nightmare waiting to happen. Let me say it again. Being a generalist is an e You don't know what that is. That stands for errors and omissions. That's why the agency buys insurance, because it has to cover itself for all the problems. And not having an expertise in an industry is one of the easiest ways to have e so I actually recommend to insurance producers that you definitely need to have at least one micro niche where is your focus. There's nothing wrong with having two. Three is the most I suggest. You know, when I first sort of like understood the power of the micro niche, is that when I went to work for the second agency or I was at, Arthur J. Gallagher. Awesome agency. If anybody works for them, you're at a great agency. If you ever decide you want to go and work for them, I would highly recommend them. Good agency. Uh, absolutely nothing, nothing wrong with Arthur J. Gallagher. In fact, um, working at Gallagher absolutely opened my eyes to what could be done in insurance because prior to that, I had a small mindset. And so uh, that after that first year, when I had my first success and I had a very good gear, um, The agency, Gallagher, at that time, and it's been some 10 years since I've worked there, so I don't know what their criteria is anymore. But at that time, they had an an annual banquet every year, and you had to write at least $300,000 in new business um, revenue in order to be invited to this uh, annual banquet. And so all the producers from all over the, you know, the world, um, from London and all over the place, Europe, they would all come in if they had um, that book of business. And so you'd have lots of people who had $300,000, maybe a $500,000, 600000 year where they wrote that much business. But man, I was amazed at some of the producers who were writing a large amount. You know, there were producers who were just consistently writing a million dollars or more every single year. You know, They would write a million this year, and then they would write a million the next year, and they would write a million the next year. And some of these producers you know have a 3 4 5 6 7 million dollar book of business which really even today it blows my mind I mean I can't even imagine that their book of business was more than the average insurance agency out there that might be considered a middle market middle sized medium sized agency it's amazing it's amazing what can be done and here's the thing what really expanded my thinking about the power of a micro niche is that during that banquet celebration the people who were like the top 10 like they would call them out like these people didn't know who they were beforehand so they would call them out you know bob and samantha and jane and rick right you know, they would call these people and you know they would mention like what their book of business was the top the top 10 and then they would get to like the last two and then they would just call them up they wouldn't say like what their book of business was and they was kind of like drawn out and then You know, they would announce who wrote, you know, what was number two and what was number one. And, you know, they were well over a million dollars each. Pretty amazing. But here's the thing. I remember the MC at the event who had the microphone. And he was kind of like going down the line. He was asking them, you know, what was their secret to success? Why did they have success that year? What kind of business did they go after? And I just remember like sitting there, like just watching these people like, man, that's a huge book of business. I was like, remember, I was about 24 years old and I was just in awe. Like, wow, this is huge. They are, they are making more money than professional athletes, right? So much more than uh, attorneys and doctors. And, you know, what what was amazing at that time is that the MC was going down the line and asking them what kind of business they wrote. And, you know, the person would say, I just remember this I write property insurance for franchise restaurants around the world. Uh, wow. She just writes property insurance for restaurants around the world. That's what she does. She just works on very large, franchise, restaurant accounts, and focuses on the property. That's her main thing. That was her area of expertise. She wrote the other stuff, but her main focus was that. I remember like this one guy. Um, His focus was women's clothing manufacturing. I don't know how he ended up on that, but that was his thing. He knew women's clothing manufacturing. Another one only wrote commercial shopping centers. Basically, large malls, if you will. That's all he did. That's all he did. And there was a reason why they had that large book of business. Because they weren't generalists. Generalists do not get a lot of broker of record letters because there's no reason to trust them. They don't even know what the marketplace is, let alone what the exposures are for all of those different types of businesses. But when you are micro-niched, you are such a pro. Such a pro. Because just as an example, that one producer who did the women's clothing manufacturers, that one producer, um, he actually knew all the different companies that did the manufacturing for the actual machinery that put it all together. So that if there was ever a problem with one of his clients in regards to the machinery, he knew who to go to. He knew who the people were that actually worked on it. He would actually work with all of these different companies and his prospects that if there was a company that was looking for a CFO, looking for a new CFO, he actually knew all the people in the clothing manufacturing industry, and he was able to actually refer people in to become the CFO or the chief executive officer or whatever. Like You can't make that stuff up. You either know it or you don't know it. And I just want you to understand... If it was the difference between me as the producer for a women's clothing manufacturer and that guy, that guy wins 100 out of 100 times, 100%. If it's you versus that guy, you lose because he knows that industry. In the same way, it can be a 1,000 different industries, 10,000 different micro niches. And if you are singularly focused in your micro niche, you're going to know all the main problems that they have. You're going to know what's happening in the industry. You're going to know which carriers are actually writing it. You're going to know all of those things. You're going to have a timeline of services that is focused upon that particular micro niche, and it is going to separate you from the competition. The riches are in the micro niches. Why? Why are the riches in the micro niches, Charles? Because being micro niched allows you to do a few different things. It allows you to write significantly larger accounts. Listen to me. Being micro niched allows you to write significantly larger accounts. If you are a generalist, that's not necessarily true. You're not going to be able to write larger accounts all the time. But being micro-niched separates you from the competition, and I guarantee you, all of those producers out there who are like at that banquet writing the million dollars, they don't go through quoting processes, through the quoting process with, with, with prospects. Nope. Um, they know what their value is. They put a line in the sand. They say, these are all the things that we do. These are our, our, our list of clients. These are the recommendations. These are the banks that I work with. Um, you want to do business with us, it requires a signature on a piece of paper before moving forward. I mean, you can be confident that you don't have to actually go through that process. You can be confident to require the business before going to the next step. You really can. The riches are in the micro niches. Now, with that said, I actually think you can do two different micro niches, no problem. Right? You can do two. And depending upon what your geographic area is, you might be required to do two, maybe even more. So, Although I'm going to be giving you some of the basics on what I teach my insurance producers, you have to realize that it's going to be different for many of you based upon what you're writing and what you're going after and specifically your geographic area. Okay. Now, another thing I want to say this to all of you employee benefits producers out there. Listen very carefully. I'm talking to you. All of you employee health benefits producers out there. You're my clients. I love you. Um, About 35% of my clients, by the way, tend to be employee health benefits. Um, The other, I'd say, 60% are uh, commercial property casualty, and then about 5% or so are personalized. That tends to be my clients. What I hear from the employee health benefits producers more often than anything else is they don't want to be micro-niched. They don't want to be micro-niched. Why? Because they can write anything. doesn't matter. Blue Cross will write... The manufacturer, they'll write the contractor, they'll write the store, you know, furniture store, they'll write all of that. It doesn't matter what the business is, what the industry. And I get it. I get it. Property and casualty can't necessarily do that because you either have the access to the markets or you don't. We're going to talk about that here in a minute. But the thing that I need you to understand is that micro-niching isn't just like what type of accounts you can write. It's how you're actually marketing and branding yourself you put together a timeline of services and services you provide to them based upon the micro niche. And so here's the thing. This is why micro niching is also very important, is every single one of us, and you included, every single insurance agent that is out there has a limit to the capacity of what he or she can actually do. So I want you to think about it. How many clients do you actually want in your book of business before you finally get to a point you say, that's enough, that's enough. Anything more than that, I don't want. I once spoke to um, an agent down in Southern California, lived over near Santa Barbara, and he actually had, I believe it was 13 clients, and his book was about $1.1 million of revenue. He basically wrote cities, and he had 13 cities that were you know averaged around like $80,000, $85,000 of revenue, whatever it is, and he had a $1.1 million book. He said, Charles, I don't want 14 clients. I can't handle 14 clients. The type of clients that I have right now is what I can handle. Great. That's one of the beautiful things about being an insurance producer is you get to build what you want to build, but you have to understand everybody has a ceiling and that ceiling is going to be different for each person based upon a lot of different factors, such as the geographic area that you live in. If you live down in Southern California or New York, you have access to a lot of bigger businesses than compared to maybe if you live in South Dakota. Nothing against South Dakota. It's just that I know there aren't that many mega businesses out there. The geographic territory in which you live in is different. Totally get it. We can overcome it. I just want you to bear with me. Every single person has a ceiling. And once you hit that ceiling, you're done. And so if you have a lot of clients that are very service intensive, such as, for example, service and repair construction companies. If your book of business has a lot of service and repair construction companies, you're likely going to spend a lot of time servicing. You and your team are going to spend a lot of time issuing certificates. There's going to be a lot of claims. There's going to be a lot of turnover. They might have a, a very uh, bid-sensitive mindset where you are always having to bid on your accounts and your clients. You might be losing them just because of a bid process and so forth. It's going to take a lot of your time. But if, for example, you're writing, I don't know, self-storage accounts or you know some kind of a property account, lesser's risk, something like that, you write it and then basically like you're done you're just, you're done. You don't ever have to touch it again. Like all year, there's nothing to do. Literally, there's nothing to do. You, you can just, you know, uh, just build the relationship, contact them, you know, just let them know that you're there. Maybe, you know, stop by, take them out, whatever it is, but you don't really have to service the account. And so for that person, their ceiling is much higher. They can write significantly more accounts. Whereas, for example, the person who's writing a lot of service and repair contractors, you have a ceiling. Maybe you can write 50 and then you're done. So I want you to think about it, and when we're deciding what the micro niche is that you're going to go after, it's kind of like um, you know a heart, a horse, and the cart, and you can't put the cart before the horse. But sometimes you have to build the cart, the cart, at the same time you're picking which horse you're going to go after. And so I'm telling you that it's not necessarily like you do one and then you you go to the next part. It's like you're kind of building it all at the same time. You're trying to figure out what works, what doesn't work, and so forth. And so. I usually tell my clients to remember the word pivot. Are you a local insurance agent struggling to find markets for your clients? Look no further than nationwide brokerage solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business. So don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. That's nbsbrokerage.com. And by the way, tell them Charles sent you. Pivot, right? Remember that old Friends episode? Look, I'm kind of dating myself now, but back in college and so forth, would watch those Friends episodes, and there was this episode. They were trying to carry this couch up the stairs, and they couldn't get it, and they kept yelling, Pivot, Pivot. And I want you to remember that word pivot, because what I basically mean by this is that you can go after a few different micro niches that you think are going to be really good for you, and we're going to dive into it. But if you're not getting any traction, you're not getting traction, it would be foolish to continue going down that path. And so we're going to pivot. We're going to go to something else. And so we will find the thing that works for you based upon all of these different factors. Okay? But you just have to remember that if it doesn't work, you can always pivot. You can work one no problem like those people that had the million-dollar-plus book of business, the $3 million, $4 million, like some just write airports. They just write airports. That's it. They just write airports. Some just do schools. They just write schools. Some just do municipalities. And some just do uh, women's garment manufacturing. That's all that they do. Those people who are micro-niche tend to have Much bigger books of business. And so the riches are in the micro niches. Hands down, generalists simply can't compete on that basis. It was like that in the past, but Jack of all trades is dead. He's dead. It's a different world, a different industry we live in. You either need to conform to it or it's going to swallow you and spit you out. The riches are in the micro niches. And so we're going to pivot. We're going to start maybe, um, what I would tell you is that begin by making a list of all the different things that you think that would be interesting to you. There's no reason why you can't start there. I mean, why not go after stuff that's fun? Why not write business that is your passion if it's good business and profitable business and big enough, right? Um, I know of an insurance agent and agency that eventually created an entire, um, tennis club niche because one of the agency principals and a few of the producers just loved playing tennis. And so they just decided to start writing tennis clubs all over the place so that they could go and visit all of these nice tennis clubs and they would play tennis there and then they would talk business. And they just wrote a ton of tennis clubs because it was a major passion of theirs. And the premium was good enough so that they could make a very good living doing it. Awesome. That's great. Nothing wrong with that. You know, I have other people who are you know they go after maybe something in a nonprofit uh, sector because they have a passion for this particular nonprofit, and so they go after that. No problem. But I want you to understand that your passion or your hobby doesn't necessarily have to be your career. That doesn't need to be the business you go after. Okay. I want to say this sort of like tongue in cheek. It's true, but it's not true. You know what I'm passionate about? Passionate about making money. Period. The money that I make will support my passions. The money that I make will support my hobbies. The money that I make will support my wife, will support my kids. The money that I make will send my kids to college. The money that I make is going to allow us to buy the house we want and the vehicles we want. And the money that I make will allow us to go on the vacations we want. And the money that I make will allow me to be able to give to the charitable organizations that I want. And the money that I make will be able to allow me to support missionaries and ministries in the church in which I attend, right? So I have a passion for making the money so that it can support the things in which I am am wanting to actually be a part of. And so where I'm going with this is that you don't have to go after something that you particularly love as an industry because it might be a really good thing that you're passionate about. It might might just be not a very good place to have as your micro niche. I have lots of clients that they go down that path of like trying to write something, for example, in a certain nonprofit industry, but they just don't get any traction from it. Why? Well, it's just because it's not the right fit for them. It's not bad. It's just not the right fit for them because sometimes our passions get in the way of us. We start doing a lot of things that maybe we shouldn't be doing or that are foolish in the sales process because we have a passion for the industry and we weren't thinking about it from a business perspective. And so I want you to be very careful about going after your passion in your micro niche. Instead, go after something that is more profitable. I do believe that some of the best micro niches that are out there are the toughest, ugliest industries. I would prefer, for example, my, this is myself. I'm talking. I'm not necessarily encouraging you to do this. This is what I this is my thought. I actually like going after the uglier, hairier classes of business where there aren't many carriers who write it and therefore the premiums are really high. You want to know why I like that? Because there aren't many carriers that are going to be able to write it. And so if I have access to the carriers who write it, then there's no reason for the insured to work with anybody else. I can control the marketplace. I don't have to worry about you know other carriers coming in, regional carriers that I don't know anything about. I can control it. That's why I, I, myself, I particularly like the ugly, hairy type of insurance that your standard carriers don't want. That's just my own personal philosophy. doesn't mean that there aren't an amazing amount of good programs that your standard carriers will write. The problem that I see, and again, this is just my opinion, because I actually have lots of clients who have awesome books of business and programs with standard carriers. And so I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying this is my personal thought is that if there's lots of standard carriers who will write it, trust me, you're probably going to lose it to lots of good carriers who come into the marketplace later on because you can't control everybody and you're not going to submit to every single insurance carrier that wants to write that business. And that was one of the problems that I had from a micro niche that I chose uh, back when I was an agent. So although I wrote a lot of steel construction and steel was a focus, I also um, dabbled in janitorial contractors for a while. And I went after janitorial. And so there were a few different janitorial accounts. But, and I did, I was successful in, I think I wrote about $250,000 of commission in just janitorial, but I ended up like not really liking the industry because a lot of these janitorial accounts would like, they were getting quotes from other agents and other janitorial programs midterm. And so I would find myself like having to like re-quote this thing midterm because a new carrier, a new program came into mind, uh, into, into the industry and the these janitorial contractors had a bit of a bid mentality. Right. Like some construction companies. They bid for their business. That's how they get their business. And they just assume insurance is like that as well. Right. And so I just found that to be a bit of a problem. And a lot of these companies were coming in and they might be 2% less expensive than me. And the janitorial contractor was just moving and going over that because they were trying to keep their costs low. And so I just decided, well, you know, I had some success there because I had access to some of the carriers, but I didn't like it for long term success. So I made a pivot. Everybody can pivot. You can pivot anytime but you need to figure out some things. And so this tends to be the second module that I work with every single one of my coaching clients in, and it's in my digital course, which is Millionaire Producer School. Uh, you can go to com. You can check that out. Go to my website, permissiongroup.com. Go to the Buy Now button, and you can purchase that. Um, and it explains you know, all of these things. The first You know, the first uh, module, second module, third module, and so forth. But the third one talks about micro niches. The riches are in the micro niches. Here are some of the main things that you need to think about when you're deciding whether or not this is going to be a really good industry for you. One, the size of the account. You will always make more money by going after larger accounts. Please, if you've been writing small accounts, stop it. Stop that nonsense right now. You know what? smack your hand, don't do it anymore. Tell yourself that you're much more of a professional than that. Leave that business for the next guy. There are fewer competitors for the larger account. Let me say it again. There are fewer competitors writing larger accounts. Why? Because most producers suffer from a small mindset. They think that they're not good enough. They don't have enough services. Their agency isn't good enough. So they just don't go after larger accounts. I'm not saying you have to go after airports right off the bat. But you can go after larger accounts. You're just going to end up doing better. So the, the, one of the issues is that when you're looking at the niche itself, um, is it something that is large enough? Okay, something that is large enough. So here's another mistake that I made earlier on in my um, sales career as a producer. Um, I started doing a lot of association business. I love association business, and I would always encourage you to find some associations to become like the endorsed agent for them. Um, So I started doing a lot of pitching to different associations just to see who would bite. And I ended up having this one, which ended up being kind of a neat little association, but it wasn't something that you can build a book on. And it was an association of, I think, resume writers. So it would be like career counselors people who counseled career people uh, they would help them put their you know resumes together and so forth but the premium ended up being something like you know eight hundred dollars or a thousand dollars for their their uh, professional liability insurance you know for them and so it wasn't something that I could do um, but my account manager did it And so, you know what, we just wrote it with like one carrier. If it fit, it fit great. I never touched it. Once I got an email from somebody who was interested, I said, hey, great, you know, I'm going to have such and such put this together. She's going to work with you from start to finish and make this happen. And so a fair amount of business was written in that program just with the account manager, but it was small. It really didn't work. And so it's not something that a producer can build a book of business. If you're an agency principal, I would encourage you to do that. You can set up a small business unit to go after that, and you can write that business very profitably because you get to keep then the lion's share of the commission. You're not having to share it with a producer. And so you can write that, you can automate it, you can create a program where, uh, with associations that are small and it'll be very, very profitable. But for producers, it's not the right answer. So you need to make sure that there are enough accounts of the size that you want. So when you look at your geographic territory, which is another one of the variables, we have to look at the geographic territory that you're willing to prospect in. Maybe it's just in your county. Maybe you're not willing to travel outside of your county to prospect or maybe you have like a, a few different counties you're willing to drive or maybe the state in which you live in you're willing to prospect any account in that state Um, there is a particular insurance agency called the Mahoney Group. Love the Mahoney Group. I actually do a lot of work with them. I am now their vice president of sales. Um, I encourage you to check them out. They are an amazing agency, mahoneygroup.com. One of the reasons why I have chosen to be a part of the Mahoney Group and help them as their vice president of sales is because they do something that I have never seen any other agency do very well, and it's that the producers at the Mahoney Group are fearless in regards to prospecting and writing business in all 50 states. Um, They're based out of Arizona. They write business in South Carolina. They write business in North Carolina and Texas and over in Pennsylvania. And they write it in California. They write it in Washington. I mean, they write it all over the place. They are focused on certain niches, and they're killing it. Absolutely killing it. And so I just love that particular mindset. I love the the philosophy of that, which is why I'm happy to be a part of the Mahoney group. But you have to decide what your geographic area territory is. Whatever your geographic area is that you're willing to prospect in. And I would say by that I mean like what are you willing to travel in? Okay. Drive in or fly or whatever it is. Are there enough accounts of the micro niche that you're willing to go after in that geographic territory? of the size that you want to go after. So if you're thinking, okay, I want to go after you know, uh, plumbing subcontractors in the state of Tennessee, how many of them are there that are going to generate, for example, $10,000 of commission, general liability, workers' comp, auto, employee health benefits, and so forth? If I can generate $10,000 of revenue per account, how many of them are there in the geographic territory that I'm willing to prospect in? So those variables come into play, like trying to figure out if this is a good niche. Another one is like, what kind of competition do you have in that in that niche? I don't have anything against competition, but look, I don't want to beat my head against the wall if I don't have like really the number one or number two most competitive carriers, period. Here's the thing. You know what? I will hear so many agents who tell me, oh, I don't sell on price. I sell on service. Yeah, well, tell me. I want, to, I want you to just say, you know, tell me how many accounts have you written over the course of your career and won because you are more expensive than everybody else? Yeah, thought so. Yeah, you write you write accounts because you're the more you're the one who's more competitive. You have either the least competitive or you're slightly more expensive than the least competitive or the most competitive. Um, look, I get it. We don't sell on price. There's other things that come in. So it's not just price, it's service as well. But you can't build a book of business by being the fourth most expensive. Not going to happen. I'm sorry. So if you're trying to figure out what micro niche you're going after, I need to have access to the number one or number two most competitive carrier, period. If not, it's not going to be a micro niche. So if I'm going to go after, for example, um, auto dealers. If I don't have the carrier who's most competitive, I don't have access to them, like, what a waste of time that would be. Right? What a waste of time. It would be to go after auto dealerships if I don't have the number one or even number two most competitive insurance carrier out there. So look, uh, I'm not saying anything that I think that is groundbreaking. This is just wise. You need to have access to the carriers that are most competitive. And so are there other competitors out there, whether agents? you know independent independent agents or maybe even captive or direct writers if there's somebody else that's just writing the business left and right you know what pivot find something else you don't have to go after that there's 10,000 other things you could go after you don't have to go after that so we need to be able to find in regards to the competition is there competition out there that simply you know makes it too difficult for us to be successful there right look just find the type of industry where you have access to the number one and number two carriers. There's plenty of them out there. And so if you don't have access to it, move on, pivot. So you got to have then the right competition. And so then do you have access to the markets? Look, you might really want to write, for example, um, nonprofit developmentally disabled um, companies, organizations. But if you don't have access to carriers that are going to write that, sorry, it's not going to work for you. Okay. Same thing. Like you might want to write self-storage or you might want to write auto dealerships or you might want to write, um, you know, condo associations, but if you don't have the carriers that write it too bad pivot, it's not the right place for you. Um, another thing to take into consideration is, you know, do you have, um, you know, do you have enough in your prospecting territory? It might be a really good thing. You might have a good fit for the number of accounts. Um, Or you might have a a few different accounts that are of the size that you want, but if there's just not the number, move on, right? So like normally I'll have, as we start going through this, I'll work with my clients, like coming up with some ideas and, and territory and so forth. But if there's only 14 accounts in the state that are of the size that you want, probably not a good fit. I usually tell my clients that I want you at least to have 600 prospects, period. And so we might have to create four micro niches to get it there. That's fine, but we need we need to be able to have at least 600 to actually work. I think 1200 is probably better. Um, Doesn't mean that it won't work with 250. I'm just telling you that the average producer needs anywhere from 600 to 1200. Uh, Because if you're working in a 90 day window, that means you know if you're you're probably like if you've got 600, that means you've got about 50 per month. So based on a three month period, that's 150 accounts you're working on in any 90 day period. You're calling them, you're emailing, you're doing your walk-in visits. Every month, 50 falls off, another 50 comes on. You can do that no problem. In fact, I think producers can do that based upon 1,200 prospects as well. That same three months is now 300 prospects. You can email 300 prospects in a month. You can send um, email, or excuse me, LinkedIn messages. You can give them calls. You can do walk-in visits and networking events. There's no problem with that. The problem is if you don't have enough prospects... That's the problem. If you don't have enough prospects, you're either going to have to add a micro niche into it, or I would say pivot, find something else. Um, Can you find pain in their industry? If there's no real pain, it might be very difficult for you to actually get appointments. One of the reasons why I, I willfully chose not to go after certain industries is because I couldn't figure out the pain enough so that they would be willing to actually meet with me. I like manufacturers. Don't get me wrong. I really like manufacturers, um, but and like wholesalers and distributors. Let me just use that: wholesalers and distributors. I like wholesaler uh, wholesalers and distributors. The problem with them and why I never went after them is that um, almost all the standard carriers out there, you know, the Hartford's, the Travelers, the Zurich's, and you know, nationwide and everybody else who comes in, they want to go after that business, or at some point they do. They all kind of want to write that business. It's on their hit list. It's on their appetite list. Um, and the problem is that those accounts tend to have lots of options. There's lots of standard companies out there that will write it. And so there just tended to not be maybe enough pain because access to the markets you know, and having a lot of carriers that were writing it kept the premiums low. And so there wasn't enough pain for them to actually go after, uh, for them to want to meet with me. And so you need to be able to find the pain. Find the pain, right? you got to have enough pain so you can provide solutions in order to get the business. So let me just remind you of these things. These are kind of like the basics of why the riches are in the micro niches. They get more signbroker of record letters. You can write more accounts. Um, You're going to be able to write larger accounts. To be able to figure out if it's a good micro niche for you, you have to actually look at the size of the account. And how many accounts are in the geographic territory that you're willing to prospect? Are there enough? I want you to have at least one micro niche, maybe two. There's no reason why you couldn't do three. More than that, you're, you're basically getting into generalist territory. right? It's really hard to be an expert in, I would say, more than three. Two is probably enough. Certainly, if you're willing to do like the Mahoney Group, for example, if you are willing to prospect in all different states, there's no reason why you can't do one right? Absolutely no reason why you can't do one. I have some of the producers that I'm working with at Mahoney. Um, and you know, they do a fantastic job of just focusing on one industry and writing the business in multiple States, man, they are killing it. Some of the producers are writing multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars per year and just focusing on that. And so Hey, if you want to know more about it, let me know. I can explain to you, you know, about, uh, about the agency and how it actually works and you know, um, tell you about even how you could be a part of the Mahoney Group if you want to actually be a part of it. Great organization. Love to talk to you about it. But at the end of the day, the focus is that the riches are in the micro niches. The riches are in the micro niches. If you get that, you are going to have a book of business that will explode. There's no reason why you cannot have a $2 million book of business by focusing on a certain certain area. You could have a 3 million, you could have 100 uh, a million and maybe even like depending upon where you live geographically. If you live using that state South Dakota as an example, maybe a $500,000 book of business is really like what you're looking for and that based upon your split, you know, maybe you're getting a 30 or 40 maybe even 50% split, that is a very good living based upon where you are at. And based upon the geographic area, the territory that you live in, one micro niche might be enough. Maybe you'll need two, maybe you'll need three, but I can almost guarantee you there's really no reason why you need more than that. There really isn't. The riches are in the micro niches. Take it to the bank. My name is Charles Specht. I'm the president and CEO of Permission Network, where I teach insurance agents how to build a $1 million or more book of business. This is the Millionaire Insurance Producer Podcast.